You're listening to the DolphinsTalk.com Podcast Network. Hello, 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 Miami Dolphin fans, and welcome to the same old Dolphin show sponsored by BetUS, part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. I am Josh Katzker. With me today and every day is my brother from the exact same mother, Aaron the Brain. Aaron, say hello to the people. Hello to the people. And joining us today is a very special guest indeed. He is the co-host of the Countdown to Kickoff show from right here at DolphinsTalk.com. He also is a scout with, uh, what is it, Blue Chip Scouting? Dante yep, Colinelli joining on, us on guys. the same old Dolphin show. Dante, what's happening, man? What's going on? Happy to be here. Get ready to talk about uh, a terrible football team. It's just very, very uh, exciting. It's exactly what I want to be talking about at this point in the season. Obviously, I mean it's really, it's really, really kind of heartbreaking. We listen. We if if anybody that's been watching the same old Dolphin show for any period of time knows that we've been kind of talking about this over and over and over again for the past few weeks because it seems to have just been something of a downward spiral here. So we're trying to freshen things up because there's only so many times that you can talk about. Well, we did this wrong, this wrong, this wrong, this wrong, this wrong, and now we got to fire everybody. I mean, because that's kind of what what the show has been, at least for the last couple of weeks, particularly, I guess, since that loss to Indianapolis. But uh, we we wanted to bring you on to talk a little bit about this Jaguars game. And of course, obviously, by now, anybody who's a Dolphin fan knows the Dolphins lost 23 to 20 to the Jacksonville Jaguars in London breaking the Jaguars 20 game losing streak that dated all the way back to week one of the 2020 season Dolphins lose the game fall to one and five and at this point I mean everything that you hoped for coming into this season for this team is essentially out the window there is I mean, if you are an eternal, like, I mean, truly an eternal optimist, maybe you're sitting there going, well, they could turn it around and win every game for the rest of the season. But I mean, I think anybody that is kind of a rational person looks at what this team has done so far and looks at what this team has left to do this season and, and is kind of realizes that playoffs and that kind of thing are, are far beyond any kind of reality. At this point. And so we're going to take a look in this show. We're going to take a look back at this game against the Jaguars uh, and, and talk a little bit about that. And we're going to look ahead to what there is to look forward to as a Miami Dolphin fan, because, you know, the fact is there are 11 football games left for this team this season. And if you're a Dolphin fan, what is it that you can think about and look forward to on a week to week basis for the rest of the season? So we're going to talk about that a little bit today. But first, 
first, I decided today, and and Dante, you you this is springing this on you, but I, I sort of gave the the brain a little bit of notice. I wanted to start off with something a little bit fun because it's so easy to be downtrodden and and depressed all the time. So there may be some of you out there watching the show or listening to the show. And by the way, hello everybody, hello Dolphins Talk YouTube. If you're listening in podcast form, go to subscribe to the Dolphins Talk YouTube channel. We're trying to get up to two thousand subscribers uh, by the end of this week, and we're getting pretty close. So everybody, come. Head on over to YouTube.com, go to the Dolphins Talk channel and hit subscribe. Turn on notifications so you find out when we go live. Uh, but some of you out there may watch a television show, a great television show called What We Do in the Shadows. Dante, are you familiar with this show? I'm not, no. Oh, my God. Okay. It's basically this like, <laughs> it, this is really good. I, I would describe it as um, waiting for Guffman meets uh, interview with a vampire. Uh, I think is probably you know, the best. I I did you know you are really making me feel dumb with these references. I'm gonna have to. Dude, I, have I'm you heard of a movie to... called Best in Show? Yes. Okay. Do I've you know who? That. Do you know who Dracula is? <laughs> yeah, I know Dracula. Okay. Okay. So if you're familiar with Best in Show All or right. The Office, is probably a better reference for you. There you the go. Office. See now, now you're speaking my my Gen Z language. Okay. Thank you. Okay. All right. So if you're familiar with The Office, the you know, it's like that kind of reality show type style, but it is still, sure. a, you know, a mostly scripted, somewhat imp improvised show. And that is what what we do in the shadows is, except it's about vampires living in Staten Island today. OK, and so I asked the brain to cast this show using only NFL head coaches. And so uh, Brain said he had one of the characters down very easily. And I will throw this out to anybody who's watching the stream live. I'm interested to hear what you think. How would you cast what we do in the shadows using only NFL coaches as the characters? Brain, you said you had an easy one for Laszlo. Who is it? Oh, yeah. Laszlo is clearly Urban Meyer. Like, really? See, yeah. I was going to I I was thinking that uh, Urban Meyer would be uh, Colin Robinson because he's a bit of an energy vampire. Well, no, I mean, at the end of the day, you got Urban Meyer. He's out there. He's dancing with the ladies. He's out there. He's partying. I mean, that's it's Laszlo behavior. Oh, that's fair. That's a very good point. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I thought that one was pretty easy. But it, since you brought up Colin Robinson, I, I I had to think. I mean, the rest of them were a challenge to me. But Colin Robinson, I was just thinking, like, who's the most boring coach in the in the National Football League? And uh, I came up with Mike Zimmer. Uh, Ooh, he's good been answer. around a really long time. Doesn't ever win anything of any substance. Doesn't really lose much. He's just boring. He's always 500. He, he's Mike Zimmer. He doesn't give you anything. He, he, all he does is bore you to sleep. He, that's an energy vampire. That's, that's a good one. That's a good one. Well, we'll, we'll think on the other two. We'll, we'll think about Nandor. We'll think about Nadja. We'll think about Guillermo. We'll get those answers later, but I guess let's turn our attention to this football game begrudgingly. Dolphins go to London. They lose 23 to 20, and I mean, it was just kind of a disaster. Uh, I mean, because, you know, ultimately, this is a game that you can't afford to lose, and you lost it, and you lost it, and it was bad, but let's talk about this article that you wrote, Dante, because I think it hits on a lot of the problems that we saw in this game, right? This game, probably more so than any of the others, was very clearly 
in the hand. The, the coaches did a terrible job and did this team absolutely no favors on Sunday. And you wrote an article on DolphinsTalk.com and it, and it went up late in the day on Sunday about kind of where this organization is and, and what needs to happen. And so can you talk to us a little bit about what sort of inspired you to, to write this article and, and how you think, you know, as you were watching this game, when were the moments that you were like, yep, here's an example, here's an example, here's an example. Yeah, I, I think the inspiration really um, came from my initial thoughts when the Dolphins hired Brian Flores a couple of years ago. Um, I was immediately hesitant to him being hired and the press conference that he gave when he was hired uh, did not make me feel any better because I, it was very clear to me at the time that he was going to try and make the Dolphins Patriot South. Um, and as somebody who spends a lot of time in the draft sphere, that forces me to not study, maybe isn't the best word, but to be aware of the team building process of every team in the league. Uh, it's a part of scouting. You need to know what's happening and how teams view their own rosters and how certain personnel and coaching trees, uh, you know, value draft picks and players. Um, and the thought of the Patriot style working in Miami to me was never appealing because it was never going to work because that was a, a once in a lifetime cocktail that culminated in arguably the best coach of all time and definitely the best quarterback of all time being in the same place for 20 years. And they lucked out that I'm not going to sit here and say they didn't get lucky a couple of times, but that's not really the point. Uh, the point is that you cannot recreate that. And the thought of Brian Flores trying to come in and recreate that was immediately a problem to me when he was hired. Now, I thought the team showed encouraging signs in the air quotes tank for two a year, right? And then they come out again in um, last season and they go 10 and six. But uh, in the off season, I warned people, I was sat on here on Dolphins talk shows with Mike, you know, breaking down draft prospects like, the Dolphins cannot win with defense in the modern NFL. And that's what they did when they went 10 and six Miami got lucky, but defensive regression is inevitable. It is going to happen whether you like it or not. You can have a good defense one year and a bad defense. The next there's, there's no getting away from that. The league is built around quarterbacks, play calling and offense. You can have a good defense. You can have a successful defense. You should try obviously, right? I'm not saying you should tank defense, but that cannot be your team identity. There's not a single successful team in the NFL that identifies as a defense first team because they're not good anymore. You can't, it's impossible. Um, and the Jaguars game for me was just the culmination of everything that Miami tried to build their franchise under Brian Flores's vision for what this team was going to be to me personally was always inherently flawed and it, it, it was never going to work. I thought I was going to be proved wrong this year after they went 10 and six last year, you know, cause I, they saw them take them some good steps. You know, they got rid of Chan Gailey. They bring in guys that I wasn't a big fan of an in-house hired offensive coordinator, but at least they identified that as a problem. They get Jalen Waddle at the sixth pick. They sign Will Fuller, two guys to stretch the field. Let's open up the offense. We're not going to have Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, screwing things up this year and that, you know, quarterback controversy. So I thought, you know, maybe we've addressed some of the problems, right? Maybe we're kind of pivoting. We're trying to become more modern. Team comes out and you know what? Tua goes down and I understand that's a problem, but the offense hasn't changed that much. The philosophy is still the same. You saw it in the Jaguars game. This is a conservative team. This is a team that only plays open and free and aggressive when they have to. And that is not going to get it done in the NFL anymore. 
You need to come out and be aggressive for 60 minutes because every other team in the NFL has firepower. And, you know, even Jacksonville out firepowered the Dolphins, which is embarrassing. And that's kind of where you're at. And when you talk about, you know, Urban Meyer at the top, at the top of the show, you know, Aaron made a joke about him grinding on girls. Dude out coach Brian Flores on Sunday. Like that, that's where we're at. Right. And so for me, it was, this was the culmination of all of the inherent problems that I've seen from the Dolphins over the course of two years in one game. And it led to a really bad performance, obviously, but it was a game that they still should have won at the end of the day, which honestly I think makes it even worse, right? It's not like Jacksonville came in and steamrolled them. It was a game they should have won. It was a game they were winning in the fourth quarter, but blatant incompetence lost it for them. And that's kind of where we're at. So for me, it was, this is the team. We can talk about play on the field. We can talk about whether or not two is the franchise quarterback. We can yell at Chris Greer for drafting Austin Jackson, the 18th overall pick at the end of the day, this team is built on Flores's vision and Flores's vision was and is flawed. And that's kind of where the, the base from this article came in the Jacksonville game, which is the culmination of all of that. Yeah. I, 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 I agree with that in a lot of ways, brain. What is, what is your reaction to uh, what Dante has set forth here? I agree with much of what you said. I mean, really all of what you said. Uh, my question is, is in reading the article and in listening to you now, it, it kind of sounds like you're, you're almost giving Chris Greer a pass and you're saying that this is really all on Flores and, and not that, you know, Chris Greer didn't make some bad picks along the way, like every GM does, but you're, you're, in the same sentence, in the same breath, you're also saying that these are these are Brian Flores's picks. They these picks were made because Brian Flores wanted these guys. So, are you giving Chris Greer a pass? If it was up to you, if you're Stephen Ross, are you firing Brian Flores and keeping Chris Greer and having Chris Greer then hire the new GM? How are you going about it? Yeah, it's a good question. I I think it's difficult for people on the outside to really figure out whose pick is whose. What I do know as an absolute fact is that Brian Flores is the top dog on this team. And there is not a single decision that is made without his without his approval. So I, I think my what I was trying to do in the article was get at like, we can talk about Chris Greer, we can talk about the play on the field, but this starts with Brian Flores. If I was going to fire people, I would fire everyone. I'm not a believer in keeping one half of the coin. I I don't think that that's an effective strategy, no matter my opinion of Chris Greer as a general manager. If you're going to fire people, fire everyone. Restart, build anew. I I think keeping only one half, whether that's Flores, I don't think that's a good decision either. And, And I wrote in the article, I don't think Brian Flores is a horrible head coach. I don't. I I think that he's an average head coach, if I'm being completely honest. Um, and I, but if you're going to fire people, you have to fire both. I think the thing that makes me feel a little bit more sympathetic to Chris Greer is that yes, Chris Greer has made bad picks. He's also made a ton of good picks. Like he's been in control of the Dolphins draft since like 2016. There's a ton of players on this team that he selected that were good football players that were traded away and that are still on this team. He's made several very good free agent signings. I'm just saying, I don't think Chris Greer is the abysmal GM that everyone's making him out to be. I think like Brian Flores, he's average, but they have missed and they're losing games. If you're going to fire people, you have to fire everyone. So no, I would not keep Chris Greer on at all. 
Yeah, I think it's an it's an interesting position that the Dolphins find themselves in. And as we are live on YouTube now a little bit after nine o'clock on Monday, nothing has happened as far as changes. So for me at this point sitting here, I don't think I think we're in a position where there are not heads are not going to roll at least until the end of the season at the very earliest we're, we're talking about the bye week that the Dolphins have later in the season. And at that point, what's the point of making the change? Um, so I think this is, if there's going to be changes, they're going to come down the road and this thing is going to play out for, for quite a few more weeks, but the Dolphins bye week is what week 14 week 13 or 14. It's much later in the season before the Dolphins eventually have their bye and, you know, so they're go- things are going to continue to churn away, and whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, I think remains to be well. <laughs> it remains to be seen. But before we turn to what we should look at between now and then, because as we mentioned, the Dolphins have eleven games left this season. Let's take a look at this game and realize that as easy as it is to to say, look, you lost to the Jaguars and everything is bad. Everything is horrible. And uh, the big picture is yes, that's probably correct. I think there weren't, it wasn't that everything is negative. I think you can look at this and say there were some positives to take away. Yeah. They're probably marginal p- positives in the grand scheme of things when everything around you is on fire as far as the organization as a whole. But I think there were some positives to be had. And and among them, I think were the performance of the starting quarterback to Tonga Vailoa. And I know that this is a touch point and people are very touchy about it. Tua went 33-47 for 329 yards and a couple of touchdown passes. And, you know, that on its face is pretty good. It was a good game from Tua. I would say it wasn't a great game by any stretch of the imagination. If I put this performance up against his week one performance this season, which is the only other complete game that he's played this year, I'd say that this was marginally better than week one. And I think you can say that. But the big takeaway is at this point, after 12 starts in his career, Tua Tungavailoa is not the elite game-winning quarterback that fans of the Miami Dolphins want and kind of need him to be, right? There were a lot of people that are skeptical about Tua, and there are a lot of other people who are like, let's support Tua, let's give him the time he needs. And this is not really meant to be a conversation about any of that because the the people that are skeptical of him there's no pleasing them you're never going to get somebody who is a Tua skeptic on your side no matter what but as you look at the situation I thought this was a decent performance by the quarterback he took a step forward the offense certainly was lifted by him right I think if you looked at this offense in those three games started by Jacoby Brissett and you looked at the offense today even without Will Fuller without Devontae Parker the offense still looked better today or on Sunday than it did the three previous weeks. So that's a positive. Uh, We continue to see some good play from Christian Wilkins on the defensive side of the ball. He he made a couple of big plays. Uh, That's a positive. The defensive line, the defensive front looked good. Uh, The the second half, the the Dolphins finally started doing some of the amoeba defense and, and throwing some different looks at Trevor Lawrence and confusing him. And they looked good in that regard. I think the, the entire defense, even without Xavier Howard and Byron Jones, was not the shambles that 
perhaps many would have expected it to be when Noah Igbenogany is playing substantial snaps. Obviously, Igbenogany had a couple of couple of plays. He gets mossed in the end zone by Marvin Jones. He's got pretty good coverage. I, I don't know what he's supposed to do in that situation. Quarterback made a great pass. Receiver made a great play. I don't know what he's supposed to do. He should have gotten his head around in the second half when he gets beat by Marvin Jones. But largely, I thought it was a decent showing by Igbenogany. Again, another step forward. And, you know, there are some other things in there as well. Getting Waddle involved, obviously, maybe you want to see Waddle involved a bit more when things aren't so scripted. But the other thing, Mike Kosicki. Mike Kosicki is a monster. And this is a guy that I think the Dolphins need to lock in and extend at this point, because he is one of the few legit offensive weapons that this team has right now. And so he's a guy that I would think is going to be, wants to be part of the long-term plan uh, going forward. But uh, let's start with you, Dante. Were there positives in this game for you? Any of the things that I mentioned, do you disagree with any of the things that I said? No, I I think you hit it right on the head. Uh, At least for me, I might have a little bit more of a gripe with Noah Igbenogany. I didn't think he was particularly good in this game, but I want to look at, look at the all 22 for corners. It's not necessarily fair to judge them off the broadcast, but um, I I think your Tua take is spot on. Like that was what I was going to say is he was good, not great. Uh, And personally, I think that that's progress. I think up to this point outside of like the second half of the Cardinals game, the second half of the chiefs game, I think Tua has largely been a, very average game manager quarterback in the NFL. And there's not necessarily anything wrong with that, given that he's played 12 games. So I think him taking a leap to shredding a a bad defense, I think is a good sign uh, because we've kind of seen him underperform against some not so great defenses in the past. Uh, So I think it was good to see him come out and throw for over 300 yards, throw the ball 50 times. He was fairly accurate. Um, Did he throw one of the worst interceptions I've seen this season from an NFL quarterback? Maybe, uh, but I, I think Maybe. outside of that throw, well, yeah, you know, outside of that throw <laughs> and the and the one that he he should have ran on like third and two when he he threw it over, uh, I think it was Gasicki's head on the sideline. I think outside of those two throws, Tua was about as good as you can realistically ask a quarterback to be coming off broken ribs and he's still injured. Um, so I, I think that's a big positive. Gasicki and Waddle are very good players. They're about as well as I expected them to be. Uh, you know, I'd lo- obviously like to see Waddle get more deep targets that are not in double coverage. That would be very, very nice. Uh, he's he's incredibly fast, so it's it's very perplexing to me that they don't just let him run down the field more often. Um, I, I think those are the positives to take away from this one. Not much doing. I, I thought the defense was uninspired. A, a lot of soft zone coverage. They let the Jaguars eat up easy yards, and I get that you don't have your two starting outside corners, but. You're playing a rookie quarterback. You made it too easy on him for too much of the game. And, and Trevor Lawrence is great. Trevor Lawrence made a ton of like really, really impressive throws in that football game, but didn't like the performance of the defense, didn't like the defensive game plan either. On the offensive side, thought Tua was solid. He made some mistakes that kept it from being a great game. Brain, can we real first off, if there's one thing that's going to uh, lift the play of the Miami Dolphins offense, it's playing the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, That's fair. Let, let's keep that in mind when we're we're talking about how the offense looked much, much better. Meanwhile, they scored six more points or three more points than they did the week previous against Tampa Bay. Uh, in this game that Tua shredded the Jacksonville Jaguars defense, we scored 20 points. He had two touchdowns. Did he throw for over 300 yards? 
Sure. He also threw, what, 44 passes in this game? 47 passes? Yeah. I mean, yeah. He, great. He's better than Jacoby Brissett. Is that is that what the standard is now for Tua? Is that what we were looking for with the number five pick? And forget where he was drafted. Is that what we're looking for for our franchise quarterback? That's the bar. He's better than Jacoby Brissett. I'm sorry. He was fine. He was, I'd give it a C plus, maybe a B minus. I mean, it was fine. It was nothing great. Uh, there were, there were throws that he made that were very good. You can't take away the interception. I feel like we've been doing this now for going back to the preseason. We did it in the game against the Patriots. We did it at times last year where we, 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 we take a couple of drives where Tua looks really good and we say, this is his ceiling. This is Tua. This is why we drafted him number five overall. And then we say, if you take away that one horrible play, then it was, then he had a great game. But I'm sorry, you can't do that. And when it happens week after week after week after week, then at some point you just have to say, this is who he is. And I grant, granted, he is still young. I'm not saying that he's not going to grow or get better, but at some point you have to stop saying, you know, he's just this young quarterback and, and just excuse the, the bad play and say, and only look at the good play because that is literally the uh, looking at the, the game and the, the season through aqua and orange glasses. Uh, because if you want to look at it realistically, the fact is, like both of you have said, he was, he was fine. He was good. He was not great. Dante said he was average. He's an, he's been an average quarterback. You have to pick out a couple of games out of the the twelve that he started to to say this was his good game. This was his. I mean, we're we're really we're we're twelve games into his career, and I'm, I realize that's not a huge sample. But if you can only pick out two games out of that and say, and not even the whole game, you're you're looking at it. And you're saying. The second half of this game, the second half of this game, the first drive of that game, the first drive of this game. At some point, you got to say, this guy just hasn't put together a really good game. This is just kind of who he is. He looks good in flashes, but he also has some significant drawbacks. Uh, and this is what this season is about now more than ever. Now that this season is essentially over and we're in evaluation mode because there's no hope of them turning this thing around and making the playoffs. So it's really all about the players in general that you're that you're going to be building around. I think you made a great point with Gasecki. That's probably their biggest well maybe not their biggest cuz we got to a that whole thing <laughs> you know that whole quarterback position to worry about. But aside from quarterback, Gasecki is probably the biggest decision that they have to make. I think they they absolutely need to re-sign him and I think they'd be smart to make the move now then wait until he ends up putting up like 900 yards and six or seven touchdowns. And then you look at it at the end of the season and you say, hey, this guy is like for sure was a top five tight end. And now you, you're going to have him hit the market and have a bunch of other suitors for him. I think you, you start working on that extension right now and you just say, look, this guy is a piece that we can't really afford. I mean, we went out and we spent money on Seathan Carter and we brought in Hunter Long and we still, for some reason, kept Durham, Durham Smythe around and we have all these tight ends. Uh, but at the end of the day, the only one that's worth a damn, that's worth really building around 
is Mike Gesicki. So you've got to you've got to lock him up. Um, and then, but as far as being positive, I mean, I, I just can't do it, man. Like, like show me, show me, play, being in a dogfight and playing better against a team that lost twenty games in a row coming into this game and lost to some bad football teams this year. To me, there, there's nothing to be positive about. Oh, I agree with you. I agree with you in terms of when it comes to the outlook of this season, there's n- there's nothing to be positive about in terms of this season and how things are working right now. But in terms of where is this team going to be at the end of the season and what are the pieces that are going to be here? Because here's the thing. This team could go 1-16 and and not win a game the rest of the season, right? But this organization is still in a better place and is closer to being ready to compete right now than they were than they were at the beginning of this rebuild, right? But the beginning of this process when they were getting slaughtered by you know teams week in and week out, right? Now, obviously, if they go one and sixteen, then you got to question everything, right? But at this point. Playoffs are not a thing. At this point, it's about evaluation. It's about, let's see which are the guys in this team that are going to be here beyond this regime, if the regime is, in fact, going to change again, which I can't believe we're talking about that already, but here we are. You know, we, we found ourselves in this situation because the, the same old Dolphins, is, it's, a, it's a loop that just repeats itself over and over and over again. You know, every time you think you're, you're making progress, you're immediately not making progress anymore. And you take, you know, the Dolphins tech, take two steps forward and then take 25 steps backward. And that's just kind of the thing forever with this team, it seems like. But, <coughs> excuse me, still getting over this cold. Um. You know, the, the fact of the matter is there are guys on this team that theoretically will be on the next Miami Dolphin team that is a contender. How many? Maybe it's not many. Maybe there's four or five guys, but this team still has a decent amount of draft capital, even though it's not their own first round pick in this upcoming draft, and they have plenty of cap space coming up. So there is, assuming you've got a new regime coming in next year, to, to rebuild this team, they're in a decent place to continue this rebuild without having to strip everything down to the studs as was done at the beginning of that is what I'm trying to say. So, you know, one last thing about the quarterback, just because this is a conversation that people want to have. And this is the thing. Tua is at this point, a replacement level NFL quarterback. He might even be below replacement level. I, you know, I was I was looking at Football Outsiders today, and they had not yet updated uh, their their statistics through week six. So at this point, Tua's rating like Tua is not included in the bulk of NFL quarterbacks because he hadn't thrown enough passes yet. But um, at this point, he's essentially a replacement level quarterback, right? And is that is that um, surprising for somebody who's made 12 NFL starts at quarterback? No, not really. It's not terribly surprising. But given the circumstances around the team, around Tua, uh, the, all of the other faults in this team right now, fans want him and expect him 
to be the game winner, the guy that is going to carry them out of the situation and lead them to victory after victory. And that's what, and, and fairly or not, that is the expectation that is upon this guy right now, right? Is that he is going to be the one that leads them out of it. And then when you combine the fact that the Dolphins have been 20 something years of mediocrity without a playoff win, Combine that with the fact that this was the guy, right? They they drafted this guy fifth overall, and they they had a lot of a lot of time and effort wrapped up in this, right? And this is the guy, and this is the guy that is expected to lead this team into the promised land. And then you take that and you combine it with the fact that the guy that was taken immediately after him is thriving right now, uh, has greater physical gifts, and is thriving in the National Football League, and the fact that. The Dolphins spent the last two decades watching the Patriots be the kings of the AFC East and the kings of the NFL. And now that the Patriots have reached the end of that journey, at least temporarily, uh, everybody thought, okay, this is the Dolphins' chance to come in here and, and be that next team, that next powerhouse in the AFC East. But instead, they've been thrown to the side and watched as the Buffalo Bills of all teams have said, no, this is now our time to shine. And they are now moving to that highest echelon of NFL franchise as being one of the top teams in the league. So you take all of those factors and you go, God, we really need this guy to be the guy. We need him to be the guy. We need him to prove it week in and week out. And unfairly, whether that's fair or not, I don't know. I don't think it's terribly relevant either, really, the more that you think about it, because the situation is what the situation is, right? And at this point, it's in some ways almost a blessing, I would think, for Tua Tungavailoa, because with this team being what it is at this point, now the focus goes almost completely on what he does over the course of these final 11 games to determine whether he is in fact going to be the guy that this franchise banks on going forward whether it is Brian Flores and Chris Greer who get another opportunity to lead this team into the next season and beyond or it's the next regime whoever it is this guy's got 11 games and that's all that matters is let's see how this guy develops over the course of the next 11 games and we'll find out whether or not he's the guy and let whoever is in charge of this organization at the at year's end say yes this is the guy or we're going to make a push for Aaron Rodgers or we're going to pay, make a push for uh, Russell Wilson or we're going to make a push for, God forbid, Deshaun Watson. <laughs> Whatever the case is, these guys are out there and Tua's got this opportunity. And now whether or not the coach is fully given that opportunity, I don't know. That's another conspiracy theory that I don't want to get into right now. But the situation is what the situation is. Earlier today, I put a question out on Twitter. And I said, for the rest of the season, with the playoffs, you know, the playoff hopes and aspirations all but incinerated at this point, what is it that you are looking for week in and week out for the rest of the season that is going to keep you watching the Dolphins? And, you know, got a, got a, got a few different answers. Most of, a lot of the answers were, I'm going to keep watching to see if they fire Greer and Flores. You know, I don't know how many burner accounts Angry Al has, but that was one of the things. 
one of the answers. Um, another one of the answers, I'm going to keep watching and cheering against the 49ers, which fair, you want to cheer against the 49ers because that's, that's whose draft pick the Dolphins have in the first round next year. But the overwhelming answer was we want to look and see how Tua develops over the next 11 games. And we want to see him elevate himself to that elite status whatever that means and and that's i think where we're at and so that's what i'm going to turn it over to you dante to to answer week in and week out for the rest of the season what is it that you are looking for out of the miami dolphins on a week-to-week basis yeah it's a great question um as somebody who likes to scout bad teams are where i thrive uh finding good players on bad teams is a good hobby of mine um, and I think that the Dolphins do have a lot of stuff that uh, is worth watching for still, whether that's on the defensive line, the offensive line, uh, the quarterback position, obviously. I mean, look, I, the only thing that really matters at this point is Tua um, and whether or not he's the guy for these uh, last 11 games, at least in my opinion, I think that, you know, we can kind of talk about the offensive line too, uh, figuring out whether or not Robert Hunt and Solomon Kinley are worth keeping around. Obviously Austin Jackson's been kicked inside the guard. What do we have with Liam Eikenberg at left tackle? I think that's probably the second most important evaluation point, right? Like we've drafted all of these offensive linemen, we've brought in different free agents. We've swapped guys around, let them play different positions. Okay, you know, who is who is the guy who's going to protect Tua? If he's the guy, who's who are the guys that are going to protect, you know, maybe it's one of those three quarterbacks that were mentioned in trade. Uh, maybe it's, you know, a quarterback that the Dolphins draft two years from now. I don't know, but they have to figure out the offensive line. So I think that's the other evaluation point outside of Tua, right, is going to be that offensive line. Can we figure out? Um, which one of those guys is going to be worth hanging on to right now. The only one that I'm particularly interested in is Liam Eikenberg and maybe Robert Hunt. The rest of them, in my opinion, not great. I think they're playing for their jobs this year. Um, so that is kind of where they're at with that. On this flip side, what do you have in Jalen Phillips on the defensive line? You just drafted him in the first round. He's shown some flashes, did not play very well against Jacksonville yesterday, at least based off the broadcast. Uh, Christian Wilkins, big year. He's been perfectly fine but definitely not worth a top 15 pick to this point in his career um so does he kind of come on he seems like he's playing a little bit better this year he's been a little bit more disruptive made a big play against jacksonville and then obviously you know the skill positions i think probably come next for me so it's quarterback trenches skill positions what do you have in jalen waddle do you resign Mike Kosicki? You have to figure out what you're going to do about Devontae Parker. Is he somebody that you cut? Is he somebody that you trade? You know, are you going to bank on him to be healthy? That's probably not a good decision. Same conversation you have to have about Preston Williams. Unfortunately, Albert Wilson's been a relative non-factor. I, I don't know if that's because you know the injury just took something from him or he's just not that guy anymore. But you know, the Dolphins put a lot of effort into rebuilding that skill position group this offseason in the past couple of offseasons. And honestly, I think the only two players worth keeping around right now are Mike Kosicki and Jalen Waddle. One of them's a rookie, the other one's on a contract year at tight end. So, you know, you have to really consider about what the rebuild prospect uh, process will look like in that room. Is Kirk Merritt a part of that? Is Mac Hollins a part of that? I don't know. I don't think so, but 
that's why, you know, you're one in five, you got to start evaluating everybody. Um, and then that's, so that's kind of where I would go with this, right? It'd be quarterback for me. Then it's the trenches, which one of the, the, you know, the young sides of the line, whether that's offense or defensive line can produce the most talent for this team moving forward, right? Cause you have to win in the trenches. The dolphins get their butts kicked in the trenches every single week. And Brian Flores is this big, you know, I'm going to be tough guy mentality or whatever. And the dolphins can't move anybody on either side of the ball. It's ridiculous. So they need to figure out who the guys are up there. And they need to figure out the quarterback. And then you got to talk about the skill positions because, you know, Preston Williams and Devontae Parker, good football players, can't stay on the football field. And, you know, I don't know if you can rely on them to to be those guys of the future. And if you can't, well, then you're out two outside receivers and you got to go find two more because you can't just roll Jalen Waddle and Mike Kosicki out there. And it's kind of like a chicken and egg thing with the skill position group at this point. I don't think Will Fuller is going to be back next year. He has not played this year. And when he does come back, it's going to be like week eight or whatever the heck it is. I Like eight games of Will Fuller, is that going to convince you to pay him another $10 million? Not me. So I, I don't know, but that that's where I would start with this. Yeah. Rain, so, what about you? Yeah, well... I think all of those are great points. I think obviously this season is about finding out what you got in Tua. Obviously you got to evaluate what you got on the offensive line. We talked about Gasicki, but the other thing is you you got you got to figure out how to redistribute some of the resources on this thing. You can't be paying 25 million dollars to your starting cornerbacks uh in a league where you have defensive regression like this and your, your pass defense is as bad as the Miami Dolphins' pass defense is. And I realize that neither of those guys played this week, but you want to know the, the weird thing about it? Though, neither of those two guys played this week, and this is the best their pass defense has been in about a month. That, that That's the sad truth, is that X really hasn't been that great. Byron Jones really hasn't been that great, and they're paying these guys a ton of money. So what, at least one of these guys has to go. And so... With this season completely awash at this point, I can understand looking at the offense and looking at potential guys that you could trade away before the deadline, like potentially like a Devontae Parker or somebody like that, and saying, well, we don't want to do that because that might stunt our evaluation and the growth of Tua. Fine. Let's look at the defense. Let's look at a guy like X who you you maybe could have gotten, you know, multiple first round picks for or a first and a and another day two pick uh and then some prior to the season you I mean there may still be a team or two out there that is willing to give you something similar to that whether it's you know a contending team like the like the Titans or you know an undefeated team like the Cardinals who now see that this is their time to absolutely win now uh, the, these were two of the teams that we were talking about as being potential suitors for X before the, the Dolphins kind of went back to the negotiation table and locked them up and kind of kicked the can down the road for one more year. So, look, X is not proven to be some great leader. Every time that he's gotten paid, his play has dropped off. He, he was outstanding last year. And, and, and I'm not saying that he's not one of the, the best corners in the league. But is this a guy that you can count on year after year to play at that elite level, particularly with the injury issues that he's had? If you could get that kind of value back from him, at this point, you're, you're not playing for this year. So maybe it's time. Look, we, we talked about how the, the Eagles have our, our, our number one pick. 
let's let's get another first round pick or two if we can't. Um, if you don't want to trade X and you say, well, he's like the one elite player that we have on this team, so you know we don't want to get rid of him. Okay. Well, then maybe you can get something for Byron Jones. Are you going to get a first-round pick for Byron Jones? No, but maybe you get a second or third. At the end of the day, you've got, you can't be paying that much money to a position group that's underperforming. You need to redistribute that, especially when you look at the issues that we're having on the offensive side of the ball, particularly on the offensive line, and you realize we've been drafting offensive linemen for a decade and we can't get it right. It might be time to actually spend money on the offensive line. So where are you going to get that money from? You might want to take some of that money away from some of these other places where you're essentially wasting it. Well, yeah, and I've been I, you and I have been <laughs> have been asking them to spend money on this offensive line for for some time there were a number of guys out there but this that comes back to this organization doesn't seem to value veteran leadership very much when it comes to players as, as we saw on, particularly on the defensive side of the ball last year um so there's one other thing that i guess i want to i want to i'm looking for as we go through the rest of this season here and it's really, and it's in light of the fact that I'm not at, at this point anyway, expecting any of these changes that many people are demanding and that I wouldn't be upset about seeing, whether it's, you know, Greer and Flores and the entire coaching staff getting axed, whatever it is, I'm not expecting to see any of that. So what I'm genuinely curious to see at this point with this team at one and five and starting out slow again for the third straight season under Brian Flores what is this team going to do for the rest of the year? Can Flo get this team playing together and act, actually find a way to win some games? Can he get this team to a point where they can actually get a surprising victory at some point down the road? And can they get a couple of them? And can they string them together? And can they get some momentum? Like, that is the kind of thing that I'm looking for because at, at, at some point, this guy's got to realize that he's, coaching for his job you would think and so at some point can he do whatever it is whatever magic juju he's got to get this team to stay together and 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 fight for each other and for the franchise and somehow get this thing turned around in some way and i'm and i'm not saying that in terms of you know maybe we can charge on and make the playoffs because i, I just don't think that that's a real realistic aspiration at this point in time but can this team come together can they gel can they play can they be something can they be greater than the sum of their parts which right now it seems like they are less than the sum of their parts as a team which is kind of concerning especially given how well this team performed above expectation last year. So I guess that's the last thing that I'm looking for as we go forward here into uh, the rest of the season, because, uh, you know, at the end of the day, there's 11 more football games to play. And, uh, you know, as painful as it is, sometimes we're going to be here to talk about them come hell or high water. And we're going to put on a brave face and we're going to do it. And it's going to be what it is, whether it's Chris Greer and Brian Flores or, or, or somebody else, whether it's Tua at QB or Jacoby Brissett or Reed Sinet, whoever it is, we're going to be there. We're going to be cheering them on. We want them to win, right? This is it, being a Dolphins fan. It's, it's, it's kind of a disease, you know, it's like 
you, you sit through and you subject yourself to the same crap year after year, week in and week out, and you keep coming back for more, you know? Like, please, sir, may I have some more? You know, you're like Oliver. That's a reference that flies right over Dante's head, I'm sure. Well, that 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 one's a popular meme, so I actually know that one. <laughs> oh, oh, crap. Look at that. Yeah, how about that? I dro- I, see, I inadvertently dropped a meme on uh, on Dante. So that's it. I've just got to speak in memes. That's it. There you go. <laughs> have we uh, have we thought about any other characters from uh, what we what they do in what we do in the shadows that you know at casting it as as head coaches? Uh, well, I've got the list. I mean, you gave me the homework. Oh, you! I didn't realize you completed the list. I'm very curious to hear what you else gave you gave me the homework. Assi- I didn't want to do it, but I begrudgingly did it because I said, "Look, this is what Josh wants to do." None of the, none of our listeners or, or viewers actually watch this show, so none of them are going to get the references. But Josh wants it, so I'm going to do it. So, Let's you do know, it. Uh, so Nandor, you know, powerful. Old was really powerful a year ago, but at the end of the day, he's kind of clueless, right? Like, oh my God, is not, it Brian Flores? Like, doesn't really have the kind of has the respect from peers because he's been around for a long time, for for a long time, but he really doesn't oh, have like Flores. the utmost respect. So I went Vic Fangio. Ooh, ooh, Vic that's Fangio. interesting. That's an interesting one. I like that. I could get into that. Yeah. See terrible content right now but we're gonna finish it i only got two this more. is the cover this isn't that bad oh it's go it's ahead continue brutal 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 um nadja was the, obviously the toughest one because there were no female uh nfl head coaches okay uh, so uh all i had to do was i i, I kind of went with somebody that i guess had like you know bad luck in their past coaching life um but but now is like you know they're they're kind of uh, the the new innovative mind because she's like the more innovative of all of the vampires. So I, I guess I went with Cliff Kingsbury for her. Okay. Yeah. Who would you have come up with? I I don't know. I, that's yeah, why I gave thanks, it to you. Thanks to for the assignment, by the way. <laughs> um, and then and then finally, just to just to finish this one off, Guillermo was was I had a couple of thoughts with that one. Really, what what I should have done is I should have come up with uh, a coordinator that's been a coordinator for like 20 years and has been really, really good, but has never been given a shot to be a head coach, sort of like Vic Fangio, like uh, until a couple of years ago. Um, but instead, what I went with was a young up and coming head coach who is who has proven to be really, really good, but somehow still gets overlooked when talking about the, the really good up and coming head coaches. Uh-huh. And that's Sean McDermott. Yeah. I think that's fair. I think that's very fair. Great. Love it. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for coming up with the, uh, the vampire content for me. I appreciate that. All right. That's uh, we're just about at the end of the show. Listen, we didn't do a manscaped ad. We didn't do a bet us thing. So here I'm going to tell you, go to BetUS.com. Use the promo code dolphins talk. You get 125% sign up bonus. If you live in New York state, you can't do it. But if you live in one of the States where you can gamble online legally, I suggest you do it. You get yourself a sign-up bonus of 125% using the promo code Dolphins Talk. And uh, listen, I've got some copy here for Manscaped, right? Do you know what's spookier than seeing a black cat on Halloween? The Miami Dolphins. The Miami Dolphins. And not using Manscaped. Not using Manscaped is uh, is is really spooky. So go to Manscaped.com, promo code Dolphins Talk. You'll save... 
20% off your order. You'll get free shipping and get all the great products for uh, shaving your nether regions and making sure they smell nice. And listen, listen, we read the ad. It's kind of goofy, right? It's silly verbiage. The products are actually really good. They're really good products. Christmas is sneaking up on us. So folks, maybe you got, uh, you know, somebody in your life that might be able to, you know, you got to, you got to be careful how you present the gift of the manscape stuff, because, you know, if you don't do it the right way, you know, it may backfire on you, but set it up manscape.com. Use the promo code dolphins talk, get a 20% discount. You'll get free shipping as well. And listen, you can't go wrong. Can't go wrong. Quality products over there. At the end of the day, when you look down, you don't want to see an ugly sweater. That's, I mean, yeah, that's, that's right. <laughs> I, I suppose that's, that's correct. My goodness. Okay. That's going to wrap us up. Dante, wait, tell the people where they can find you. Get all your, get your shit in, get your plugs in. Uh, yeah. So you can follow me uh, on Twitter at Dante Colinelli, D-A-N-T-E-C-O-L-L-I-N-E-L-L-I. Uh, check out my NFL draft work, bluechipscouting.com and all my Dolphins work at dolphinstalk.com. I also begrudgingly cover Temple football for the Yahoo Sports Network. So you can check out that if you're interested in college football on uh, alscoop.com. Thanks for Al Golden. Listen, Dante, this is hard times. Dusty Rhodes talked about hard times. Dusty Rhodes doesn't know about the hard times that Dante Colinelli is living through covering Temple football and Miami Dolphins football. This poor guy. It's it's brutal, man. A Saturday watching Temple's offense and then turning around watching the Dolphins offense on Sunday is oh. ooh, I'm not I'm not a Temple fan like I am a Dolphins fan, but man. Uh, it is not it is not pretty like two weeks ago i think they scored a combined six points between the two football teams man and i was just oh man right right those stories was brutal let me tell you oh man yeah not not a good year not a good year for the teams that i cover let me tell you no 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 so we got what we got to do is get you assigned to like the bills and the patriots and the jets then the, you know the, the AFC East will be the first division ever without a winning football team. <laughs> that's right. That's not true. Oh, no. That's the not NFC true. West. Yeah, the yeah. Seattle Seahawks won the, the – and then they won a playoff game. Yeah, the Dolphins won't make won't make the playoffs somehow. That'll that'll happen, and we, we won't be the team to make the playoffs. Yeah, that's, that's what we do. That's what we do. Brain, where can the people find you? You can find me on Twitter, at Aaron the Brain. Excellent. And uh, I'm, of course, at Amplified to Rock on Twitter. The show is at Same Old Dolphins. We suggest you follow, download, rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, all your podcast places. Go get us. Go subscribe. And Dolphins Talk YouTube channel. Let's get us over to two, over 2,000 subscribers this week. We're very close. Everybody, if you haven't done it yet, go do us a solid, would you? We appreciate it. And how about some breaking news here on the show? Not Not about anything particularly exciting, but... We're not going to have a live show on uh, on Thursday this week because the brain is coming to New York, baby. Aaron, the brain is coming to New York. So we are going to actually film a show. Uh, we're going to record a show on Friday uh, during the day and we'll drop it at night. We're going to record in the same room together. It's been a while. What, we like haven't done a podcast years? in the same room together. Yeah, it's been a long time since we've been in the same room together for a podcast. So, uh, and then uh, we're gonna we're gonna get Dante a, a bus pass or something, and maybe we'll even we'll bus Dante up here to to sit in the room with us, and uh, you know, tell us give us the latest update on the Temple Owls. Oh, um, can't wait. 
they have do they have the next head coach of the Miami Hurricanes? Uh, no, not this time. No, they they don't get to uh, snipe our head coach after three weeks. But I had to attend both of those press conferences. The second one was incredibly awkward. So, um, no, I'm, I'm hoping that I do not have to do that again. If I'm being completely frank. Well, we're all gonna we're all gonna pray for Dante. We're all gonna say a prayer for Dante and and covering the the Temple Owls. And we're gonna pray for all of us as as Dolphin fans because whoo boy we're. We're going to need it. Listen, folks, find a healthy way to to decompress and and get over it and find something else in your life that brings you joy. Don't let the dolphins ruin your day, although they they should. It was a really hard time on on Sunday because it was my wife's birthday on Sunday. So I I was trying to be chipper after the dolphins, watching the dolphins lose first thing in the morning. Whoa, that was rough. It was a rough day. But we we turned it around and we had hamburgers for dinner, really good hamburgers. So. It was good. All right. That's going to wrap us up uh, for Dante Colinelli, for Aaron the Brain. This is Josh. Take care of yourselves and each other, and we will talk to you again next time. Bye bye, everybody. Go Dolphins! Miami's got the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from Gold.